It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. Hi, everybody. It's uh, it's that time again, but here at 6.01 California time. What is it there, Diedrich? Three o'clock in New Zealand, and it's time for my private audio call. Ta-da! And tonight, right. our, our special guest speaker is Diedrich from Down Under. Well, he's down in New Zealand, which is way down under. Hi, Diedrich. Hey, Angela. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. Very good. Great day here. So, yeah, everybody, uh, this is Diedrich. <laughs> Diedrich, this is everybody. No, <laughs> There's a lot of people on the call. So uh, I posted your document. It's under your picture on our website, myprivateaudio.com. So if anybody wants to go and grab that, if you haven't done so already, I also have a link there to uh, Diedrich's YouTube. So you can catch up on that later. Otherwise, welcome to our call. I'm so glad to have you. Thank you, Richard, for referring him. And uh, so uh, enlighten us with your wisdom. Well, wisdom's not for men, really, I don't think. But anyway, I've certainly um, got a story to tell, I guess, and I'd like to share some things, uh, add into the mix. I've heard a lot of good stories on your show and in other places over the years. And... Uh, I've been on this path for a long time myself, and by way of introduction, I suppose, uh, this started probably back in 2006, 2007 for me, when I ran into a bit of trouble with IRS, which is not what I'm going to talk about a lot today. Um, But initially, as usual, we start getting angry. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You have IRS in New Zealand? I used the word IRS um, so that your listeners would... Know what I'm talking about over here? It's IRD. Oh, okay. Same thing. All right. Same thing. Yep. Okay, sorry. International Go ahead. agency. <laughs> yeah. It actually is. It's actually interesting. It's um, it is an international overseas agency. It's quite clear in New Zealand law. So I looked at a lot of things, but I stopped being angry reasonably quickly. And in uh, 2010, uh, it was when we initially started to look at surrendering the estate to the government knowing that the legal person is a problematical um, issue that ties us down. And as time went on, um, I'd been brought up uh, as a Protestant in a Reformed church. I left the church when I was 17 because the story wasn't making a lot of sense. It didn't seem to fit with how the world worked. But the more you learn about how the world works, the more I've come back to it and the more it makes sense. And uh, so I guess tonight I'm going to be basically presenting a range of facts, talking about things that just are. They're by and large um, authoritative. You can check them out yourself. It's all referenced in the document. And sure, I'll join the dots in my way and people can accept that or not accept that. That's you know, fine. But we're going to end up with um, 
some basic uh, conclusions. And the main one is that we have, essentially, as I see it, two choices of how to live in this world. And most of us don't know what the second choice is. Um, so we're stuck with this first choice, which is the only one we can see. And it's not a good choice, and the world is not working well for us or anyone else accordingly. So I guess it's a message of hope. Okay, so 2010, there was an initial surrender, uh, just to carry on. I've basically been doing stuff every year since then. Um, I should say in New Zealand, I think we have quite a big advantage in that the structure of our statutes and um, our constitution, history and so forth is a lot simpler than a lot of other countries. Um, so things are closer to the surface, if you like, really able to be found and confirmed here where they're actually quite difficult to track down. And I've had noticed over the years that a lot of overseas researchers uh, need to read a lot of um, court decisions and this and that and the other thing. And it's you know, a frightening amount of work, quite honestly, that they seem to be going through. And it's not so hard here. So we've been working on this and haven't said too much because we need to establish that it's true. And we still haven't quite done that, but we believe we're getting close. We can certainly see what it should be. So by way of summary, what I'm going to talk about. Essentially, what we have is um, some good evidence, at least four witnesses, that our Commonwealth structure is built to the bottle plan. And we notice from, for instance, uh, the coronation ceremony of Queen Elizabeth, she wears a robe of estate and also the robe of state. And we can find those robes in the gold crowns back in the book of Maccabees in the Bible. We can see that the St. Peter Keys, the temporal earthly power, has been transferred from uh, to the crown. And we can see that quite clearly in New Zealand law, founding jurisdiction of our um, high court rules, high court, includes ecclesiastical law, and it basically is state law. Now, though, we can see it quite clearly here in New Zealand. What it essentially means is that wherever you are in the world, where you see a jurisdiction that manages state law, then, i.e., that means they are holding the, the ecclesiastical law, i.e., St. Peter's Keys. And that's probably something that most people don't realise. Most people probably believe that the keys are still with um, the Pope, this, that power has been transferred. Uh, there's a couple of other witnesses to attest to that. That's basically the notion of the bankruptcy. In days gone by, we had debtors' prisons, and if you couldn't pay your debts, you'd go to prison. And some of the Victorian era stories are quite frightening in that regard, but no longer. And that's another ecclesiastical piece of law. And the birth certificates, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in the legal person. And the birth certificate appears to be a takeover or a transfer of the old baptismal certificate that the church used to manage to the crown. And uh, we see in the coronation ceremony and the gospel creed that 
the Crown essentially believes in one apostolic church and one baptism for the remission of sins. And it's this baptism that works through this legal person, this different structure that we come to. So what's the right side of the choice? If we take a beneficial interest, a property interest for ourselves, selfishly, for our own profit or gain or advantage, then we become liable for all the debts and obligations of the estate. So this is all about finding the other side of the choice, which is to get that back to the Crown. Now, we believe at this point, and this is not all just my research, obviously, um, I have been working with a bunch of other people, and I'll make no apology for using a lot of ideas that have come to me from elsewhere, because that's just how things work. In any case, the property order is a potential solution to get us back to the correct side of the choice, which basically means that the Crown holds both the legal title and the beneficial title, so they have full title to the earthly things. Does it make sense? Is it really necessary? Well, yes, I think so. Um, this is very much about obeying the gospel story. Uh, Queen Elizabeth was very clear. She's going to uphold the gospel. And we can look at our law structures, ordinances of man, which St. Peter told us to uh, pay heed to, as well as um, Paul, of course, in Romans 13. And it's pretty clear that the rules that are in place are, in fact, based on the Bible. However, it's always been difficult for me. This is one reason I left the church to reconcile the teachings of the New Testament. It um, seems to be contradictory, to be honest. So what we have is a lot of um, instructions, something like, you know, if you will be in the kingdom, you must come as little children. Humble yourself as a child. Jesus told the rich young man to tell you have given to the poor. And he also says, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, Caesar's, i.e. the worldly things, the images, just legal fictions, and unto God the things that are God. So, and then Paul tells us in Romans 13, give tribute to God's ministers. In Acts 4, we see sell everything you have and lay your property at the feet of the apostles. Now, that raises a question, of course, what are we supposed to do with this burden property? Because we've got four instructions here and they don't seem to uh, line up very well at all. So it's confusing, and I was confused. In addition to that, we have the um, feet of the mountains and go to Babylon for redemption. So we've got Babylon in the story as well. So what we find when we look at this, um, I guess, quite a key little perspective is that the St. Peter's Keys power has been transferred to the Crown, and that changes everything. Because the Crown is, of course, Caesar. It is Babylon. Now, apparently, it is also God's ministers and also the apostles. So you have a very clear 
picture that when we're talking about worldly goods, property, property titles and so forth, there's a very um, straight story about where to go and basically get that title back and it's to crown. And from that perspective, we can see that those various um, apparently contradictory teachings are not, in fact, contradictory at all, but they actually do make sense. Not only that, but we see that our current predicament is basically evidence of the bindings of St. Peter's that uh, we were promised if we did not basically line up with Jesus' teaching as new commandments to love one another. And by that, he certainly means no property interests for your own selfish ends. So what does this mean? That if we come to the end of this, does it mean we're going to be out of house and home, on the street, barefoot in a robe? Um, beggars? Well, hopefully not. The promises in the Bible are much better than that. And for those of us who are farmers, someone's got to manage the farm. The short point is we don't really know what's going to happen after this, but there is an element of faith there. And faith is a good thing. Not everything, but I see this more as working out that we are relinquishing title, but we can still expect um, the good things and the use of the things that we need. And Jesus is quite clear about that in the Sermon on the Mount, for instance. Your father knows what you need, so it'll be all right. And if we consider why we currently hang on to property and save up for our retirements and just certain the other things, um, I don't know, you'd probably put it down to fear, I'd say, a lack of faith, that things will be okay if we just do our part. So that's basically the short message here that's uh, coming. We have a choice. We couldn't see it before. We can see it now, and we think we know what needs to happen, and we believe that the construct is already built in place, working for a lot of people, To achieve that at the moment. It's a very simple process. Basically, we know in the law, one of the maxims of the law, as a thing is done, so it is undone. We know we got ourselves in this fix uh, when we came of age and started signing documents. And there's basically uh, one document to sign without having to swear any affidavits or anything. No court fees to get this undone. That's where we're going. And what is that? Basically, this comes down to the property order in the family court. In New Zealand, it's the family court. So this is the incompetence jurisdiction. But it's important to realise that we're talking about two quite different things, quite distinct things. There's a property order and a personal order. And these are dealt with in different parts of the Act. And I guess a lot of people would sort of wonder about this whole incompetence thing. You know, we're all supposed to be grown-ups, right? And if you think you're not incompetent, well, we're talking about property, so there's a difference. So the two things, part one talks about capacity, and that's basically people that haven't got the capacity, mentally or medically or for whatever reason, to make choices and look after themselves. And I guess we're not 
those people are already taken care of, you know, in which sense we see that the Crown really is doing its job. Um, but that's not us, right? We are able to make a choice, and that's what the Gospel is all about. Jesus gave us a choice. You know, you can be with me, or you can be against me. That's the choice. So we're not looking for that lack of capacity, and we're not looking for a personal order, but in part three of the same act, we have a discussion of competence, which is about the competence to manage property. And it leads to a property order, which basically means we don't get to manage property ourselves, and we're not liable as sureties for it anymore, which is, you know, great. Um, so, are we competent to, comp to manage property? Well, I would say no. I'm certainly not. Um, everything's managed under main statutes. I'm not a lawyer. I don't have a license to practice law. I'm just not competent in that area. So if I need to manage some legal aspects of property in the estate, I basically can't do it. Not well, not competently, at least not fully competently. So I have to go and hire a lawyer. But the thing is you don't have to go and hire a lawyer because the uh, protection of personal property rights act is sitting there and giving us a built solution instead for us to pass this over to some other administrator or manager. And that doesn't have to be us, it can be somebody else. Um, it could be us, they could appoint us one or two, but it's just not our business. This is where we come as children, if you like. So that's the legal aspect, and there's also the uh, financial aspect, of course. As with the lawyer stuff, I'm also not a licensed accountant and financial stuff, and security management, all that, those elements are really quite complicated and difficult. And you do need to be competent to work that in relation to property in the estate. And you know what? I readily admit that I'm not. So I believe I'm not competent, not fully competent to manage property in the estate. And I admit it. So that's me coming as a child. The solutions are there, the structures are in place to deal with it. And it doesn't mean that people have to, um, or the Crown is put to a large uh, burden to look after my daily affairs. That's not how it works. Um, we can read through that act and look at the property manager's job, and it basically says, look, you have to work with the person attached to the legal person. You know, they use the word person, so we know the differences between a man and a person, a woman and a person, of course, but it doesn't matter if they don't look at it that way. It's of no concern. We'll come to that shortly. But the short point is, it's their job to take ultimate responsibility for the property, so the liability is off us, but allow us to basically function to the best of our abilities. The property can be settled on trust. It's it's explicitly provided for in the Act for other purposes, like, oh, say, the Commonwealth, you know, the greater good um, for the Crown, so the Crown can do its job, and it allows us a proper pathway to also contribute, because it's a two-way process, right? Um, we expect the worldly system to work reasonably well for us, and we're also expected to 
therefore contribute our energy uh, into that system so it can function. It's just how it is. Very similar to I am divine, you are the branches story that uh, Jesus gave us, I would say. So the, the structure's there, it's workable, and it doesn't need to be a large burden. Um, at, at its simplest, the public trustee may, for instance, just set up a account in that legal person's state name, which is not managed by me, and the rest of the world wouldn't even know anything had changed, Angela, between what happened before and what's happening now. But things have changed, because the title is not with me anymore, so I actually own truly nothing. And anything that's in excess in that estate now belongs to the Crown, leaving the Crown free and clear to get on with its job, which is Babylon's job, Caesar's job, the Apostle's job, God's minister's job. So, yep, I think this makes sense. And um, So where do you live? I live in Masterton in New Zealand. I mean, I mean, do you rent an apartment, or so you don't? What you're saying is you don't own any property, right? That's right. But the property's still sitting in the name estate. It's just being managed by somebody else. That's what I'm saying. Nothing, nothing really needs to change here. I see. Yeah. It's just rather than me opening accounts and managing everything myself, like a prodigal, which is essentially what I'm. This is sort of a central tenant here, right? And we talk a lot about birthright and so forth, and yes, we might have a birthright, as did the prodigal son, but the father wasn't dead, and our, my creator is not dead. So I don't believe I have a right to uh, make any claim on that estate in terms of property interests. If you, do, you know, do you see what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. But... Yep. Uh, yep. uh, uh, well, who takes responsibility for the upkeep and maintenance of your of the property where you reside? Whoever the Crown appoints as a property manager. That's the whole purpose of the property order. And I've well, laid, laid, this out, laid this out what, in quite a father document. I was just going to say, what if the property manager does something you don't agree with or don't like or is not conducive to your happiness? Oh, that's where the faith comes in, Angela. I believe they will because when I look at the... Well, it's, it's, they've got a job to do and the act's very clear. They have to act in our interest. And it's just laid down. And if we look at it, this is not something that's... It might sound a little bit unusual, but it's actually already working for a lot of people in our society. There's a lot of people that are under this kind of management, mostly because they are mentally incompetent. Yeah, they don't take responsibility for their livelihoods and whatever, and their well-being and their families, whatever. Those people are useless to me, in my opinion, though. Yeah, that's true, but um, I don't see it as quite the same. So when the prodigal son came back, he had no more rights to property, and he said, Father, I'm not worthy. Can I come back and serve? Just be as a servant. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying, that's what, that's what I'm saying, this is not a burden on the crown. They don't have to look after us more than we need. Um, you know, I don't need my backside wiped every day. So the thing is fully flexible to work from one end 
to the other. And it allows us, so this is probably a point of difference. A lot of what I've done previously of abandoned surname and I've handed stuff over to the Crown and says, yes, you own it and so forth. And I don't want to make any claims. But I consistently get them coming back and saying, no, we won't accept property from you. So basically, I've got no standing to get it transferred properly, which makes it an imperfect gift, and equity will not help that. So once this is right, Angela, instead of working for my own interests, which um, I would say that would be useless to you, anything that I do is now going to be for the greater good, by definition. It has to be because I can't own anything myself. So... Surely that's more useful to you. This allows us to serve. So that's where we're going. Anyway, that's, that's sort of the overview. Shall we um, move into some of the um, other little subjects? The sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so um, at some point, do you want to take questions? or? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll um, definitely take questions. So. Yeah. Okay. I'll try not to be too long. No, no, go right ahead. Do whatever you got to do to get your point across. I appreciate your, you know, sharing your information with us. And everybody here is pretty patient. Nobody has their hand up yet anyway. Um, But later on, when you're ready to ask questions, um, just remember to press star eight, and that'll put your hand up in the queue, and I'll see you, and then you can ask your question. But in the meantime, the floor is yours, my dear. Okay, I'll carry on a little bit. Okay, so we've got um, probably five main topics here that we're talking about. One of the main ones is, um, I guess, the main insight that I'm bringing today, I would say, is that the Commonwealth structure that we have, and I believe it's actually global, that we can just see it more easily in, in the Commonwealth, is very, very strongly built in the world. And in... The coronation of Queen Elizabeth, this is 1953, right? And here's what was said. So this, um, the oath that she had, keep your majesty ever mindful of the law and gospel of God. It's the rule for the whole life and government of Christian princes. We present you with this book. This is the royal law. And will you to the utmost of your power maintain the laws of God and the true profession of the gospel? And the Queen says, yes, all this I promise to do. So that's basically our foundation. Um, and this is not new. I mean, they've been saying this for a while in coronations. So this is the rule. And even though the man's law system appears to be oppressive, I would suggest that it's only because we're on the wrong side of the choice. So we shouldn't expect anything else. So this is what it is, and we see that there. We also have a little look at what they mean by the gospel. Now, um, a lot of the gospel stories in modern churches is one of the reasons I left the church focus heavily on what Paul had to say. Um, and I'm not here to beg Paul, but I would just say, look, I not look at what Jesus had to say instead. And when we look at the gospel reading in the coronation we see we read from Matthew here and we see God in truth neither cares for man he regards not the person of men 
case, it is a problem straight away because we know that when we're born, a legal person gets made and we're currently treated as persons. And right there, uh, we've got Elizabeth saying, look, this is a problem. Okay, and then they come, is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? And he says, blah, blah, blah. who's this image and superscription? So we see an image there, which essentially I would say is the crown system, the birth certificate system. And they say unto him, Caesar's. Well, he says unto them, render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. So what we say, what we're seeing here is that the image goes back to Caesar. This is the worldly things, and there's view that I would have, and that we've got some good evidence for in a document, I would say, is that at the top of your birth certificate, for instance, you'll see the uh, Crown Coat of Arms, or whatever your nation's um, coat of arms is. So that's the image. And you'll also see that this wasn't signed by yourself, the document, or your parents, it was signed by a registrar. So it's very much Caesar's image. Now, that is the structure through which all bank accounts, property titles, you name it, flows, benefits and so forth, liabilities, obligations, go through that legal structure. It's registered with the Crown, it's um, held by them. So it's essentially, they grab it and they're sitting there saying, well, do you want it to go or not? And that's surrendering unto Caesar. That's what I believe we have to do. Only once we've done that, I would say, um, that we are free to then render unto God the things that are God's. Because, you know, we see this also, um, I don't know if you recall the handing over of the keys to Peter by Jesus, and he said, I give you the keys, that which you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and what you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So it's a one-way street, as I said. It is bound on earth, it's bound in heaven. And if you want it to be loose in heaven, it needs to be loosed on earth. So my perspective would be, looking at just plainly what that says, is that sitting under a tree and praying about it isn't going to get the worldly bindings undone. And uh, so... We'll move on in a while through those bindings. And as far as I'm concerned, if the evidence of the bindings remains in place, if we're still surety, then we have a problem. Um, a couple of interesting things. The Bible used in the coronation ceremony was also the Four King James Bible, which includes all 80 books, including the Apocrypha. And the Apocrypha is um, an additional 14 books. Yeah, they always used to be in their Bible. Uh, most people don't realise that. And it was only as recently as 1881 that that was taken out. Um, so they're not, um, strictly speaking, the, a lot of people think they're the books that are the Roman Catholic Bible books, but it's not true. They're the original ones in the King James. Anyway, in those Apocrypha, we have a couple of very interesting um sections which link directly to our queen and her coronation. So we see the golden crown and the scarlet robe which is sent to us we have received and we are ready to make steadfast peace with you. 
and what sort of covenants we have made shall stand. Any oversight of faults, we forgive it, and the crown tax also, which you owe us. If there was any other tribute paid, it shall no more be paid. So this is the only place in the Bible that crown taxes are explicitly talked about. And it's been removed from our modern King James Bible. But it is still part of the rule that um, Elizabeth upholds. So it's the robe of state. That's the red robe of state that uh, Elizabeth wore. Then there's the superior robe. That's the 21-foot robe. Uh, yeah, the red one was 18. This is the superior law, robe of estate. The estate law we know is ecclesiastical law. Purple, solid gold crown woven into it. And wherefore now to stay, we're back in Maccabees again. We ordain thee to be the high priest of thy nation and to be called the king's friend. There was sent him a purple robe and a crown of gold and require thee to take our part and keep friendship with us. So that's basically saying when you spot that purple robe and gold crown, that is the ordaining of the priestly functions of St. Peter's Keys is being handed over and we require thee to take our part. So basically... That's where we see that St. Peter Key's apostolic functions have been handed over to the Crown. I think it's a good, strong piece of evidence. Um, as a consequence, like I said before, we can now see that uh, debts can be forgiven by the Crown, than used to to do now. And we also see in the... It's our... Supreme Court Act in 1841. So this is the founding jurisdiction for the Supreme Court. It's one of the reasons it's a bit easier for us in New Zealand. This is quite recent for us. And there's four jurisdictions, legal, equitable, ecclesiastical, and lunacy. And the ecclesiastical one is exclusive jurisdiction or questions respecting the validity of wills, personal property. So this is all about estates. It's the robe of estates. The birth certificate estate is an estate. It's an estate of property. And that is ecclesiastical law. And it hasn't changed. Um, that ecclesiastical estate law is still there today. Okay. Also, we see, so this is another key point that uh, we try to get across in the document, is that She'll come up to that in a minute. So basically, we see Jesus talked about his new commandment, which is love one another. That love for one another is supposed to be across the board, including your enemies, those who do or do you harm. It's everybody equally. Now, how do we do that? It's not that it doesn't appear that easy. But in Acts 4, we see that uh, Peter implements a plan like this. The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prizes of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Right, so they had all things common, and Queen Elizabeth promises to uphold true gospel also happens to be the head of our commonwealth. Now, I believe that 
all things common and commonwealth are the same. This raises, of course, the whole specter in a lot of people's minds, perhaps, of communism, which is uh, thoroughly disliked by many. And I have to agree, it's um, man's version of it is a bad deal. It's basically doesn't have the opportunity for choice in there. Man's communism is enforced at gunpoint, right? It's uh, all things in common. If you don't like it, we've got to stick around and come and hit you with it. But this is the gospel commonwealth story, uh, new commandments, and Jesus gave us this choice. And what I would say then is what we're seeing is that our will construction appears to be built to give us that exact same choice. Whether we're against him, his way, our way, his will, or our will. And if we are on the wrong side of that choice, then um, things will potentially not go so well for us. Okay, I talked a little bit about time. Shall we um, talk about the Great Wonder in Heaven, or shall we skip over that one? Whatever you feel at liberty to uh, share is okay, okay with me. I'll just do it very briefly. So um, it's a very interesting little aspect. But in Revelation 12, we see there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. She being with child cried, travailing in birth, pain to be delivered. Now that... Um, That's talking very clearly about Virgo and the crown being Leo with currently three planets, Mercury, Mars and Venus coming into alignment. So essentially one of the reasons we see the time is short is that this is a very specific prophecy and it's going to be um, coming to completion 23rd of September 2017, i.e. next year. Um, Jupiter was in the past, in the old days, known as the king planet. The what? Um, king planet. King. King planet. Okay, thank you. Sorry. Yep. The king went into um, Virgo on the 20th of November, just very recently, a few weeks ago. And approximately nine and a half months later, 23rd of September next year, it uh, will be born, so to speak, with the sun as a shoulder the moon of defeat, and the crown of 12 stars. So, you know, I've seen a lot of things on the internet about, you know, timing and end days and all of this, and it's all very interesting. But this is probably the strongest, clearest point of reference that I'm aware of. So, exactly what this means, I don't know, but as far as I'm concerned, for me anyway, I'm looking very closely at what it was the, that the rule book says we have to be doing. Um, and I'm thinking that we haven't got too much time to get this right. It's one of the main reasons, actually, I'm talking to you and sharing this stuff before I've actually brought this to a full uh, fruition, if you like. Okay. And we see there's a bit of stuff in the document about the Great Pyramids as well. Uh, there's a great book by Mark Fiddler. It's uh, quite an old book, 1999, I think. By who? Mark who? Mark Fiddler. Mark. 
and uh, the star mirror it's called star mirror and he basically lines out that's the there's 11 points of alignment on the great pyramids on the great pyramids which were appear to have been designed to align to 11 key points key stars basically around now and the websites are presented there and showed it also lands in September 2012, uh, so not 2012, 2017. So that's interesting. It appears to be, it appears to be that the pyramids were built as a warning or a, a timepiece, a star reader to say, look, all of this is coming together at this point in time, and this point in time is pretty much around about now, specifically some major alignments in September 2017. It's fascinating stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I didn't want to dwell on it too much because I really want to focus on how we might, in a practical sense, actually be able to obey Jesus' teachings um, and show that, in fact, it looks like our world system has been built so that we directly can. Okay. Um, yeah, right. We also see here, of course, that we should. Um, I know a lot of people complain about the government and they want to have a bit of a fight. So there's a bunch of stuff that should be. Um, I guess I would warn people not to to uh, think carefully before you go into battle. Um, so Saint Peter in one Peter he says, "Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake." Um, whether it be to the king or unto governors or unto them that are sent for the punishment of the evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. That was St. Peter. Paul says something very similar um, in Romans 13. And of course, Jesus tells us, render unto Caesar. In the Old Testament, post-Paul, we see, we start talking about um, Babylon. And thus says the Lord of hosts, God of Israel, thus you shall say to your masters, I have made the earth the man and the beast, and by my great power and my outstretched arm, I have given it to whom it seemed meet to me. And now I have given all these lands into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant. Okay, we go on a little bit then. Um, and then there's a warning. Therefore, hearken not, don't listen to your prophets, to your, nor to your diviners, nor to your dreamers, nor to your enchanters, nor to your sorcerers, which speak to you, saying, You shall not serve the king of Babylon. For I prophesy a lie to you to remove you far from your land, and that it should drive you out and should perish. But those nations that bring their neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon serve him, those who will let remain still in their own land and they shall till it and dwell therein. So, yeah, I'm not interested in going to war, and that's why, basically. We also now start to look at uh, another interesting apparent contradiction in Revelation we see, come out of you, my people, that you do not be partakers of his sins, and it's talking about Babylon, right? But here in uh, Micah 4.10, we see, Thou shall go even to Babylon, and he shall be delivered. There the Lord shall redeem thee from the hand of the enemies. 
it appears to be contradictory, but when we see that the power of the keys has been transferred to the Crown, really it only requires us to bring in one concept, and that's essentially this, that Babylon can be both. It can have two faces, and I very much believe that's the case. And the face we see, the face we're subject to, um, depends on what our choice is. And as long as we remain a surety and hold beneficial title and legal person estate, um, I would argue that it's a wrong choice. And accordingly, we see a face of Babylon that we really have not enjoyed very much over the years. Moving on to one new commandment, I'll discover this quickly, it's quite simple, there's only one commandment. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, so we have two. Matthew, we see Jesus said, You shall love the Lord our God with all your heart, all the soul, all the mind, is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, you shall love thy neighbour as thyself. And then in John 13:34, we see, New commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Love one another. I just saw men know that you might as well. Okay, so what's this love business? Um, it's not puppy dog love. And in Greek's concordance, we see the Greek word used here is agape, agape love. The origin is to love in a moral or social sense. So this is a societal sense of love. And we also see that the tense is a verb, a verb is in a doing or an action word. So this is not a um, feeling, you know, not an intention, um, not lip service, it's actually how do our actions align with the notion of what would work well for societal sense, for society in a moral sense. And uh, that's what this comes down to. And we see also here in terms of the concept of the way Jesus explained love. And he said, also in Matthew, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you, persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, etc. And here we also see, be therefore perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Right, so then, having given that commandment, which was basically what I would say is the core of Jesus' teachings and consistent with all his parables, in my opinion anyway, humbly, he then gave St. Peter the keys to bind on earth those who disobeyed and loose those who obeyed. I say to you, whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And in Acts we see once again that um, neither said any of them that the bought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. So that was Peter's model. That's what he did after he got the keys, after Jesus left. And in the story of Ananias and Sapphira, we see that we have to give all, which is what Jesus kept saying as well. Um, 
Ananias and Sapphira, if you recall, held back some of the profits of selling a position. And uh, Peter said to him, why is you conceived this in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. And I see hearing these words fell down and got up the ghost, and great fear came on them all that heard them, heard these things, and the young men arose, wound them up, and carried them out and buried them. So I would say that is an example of Peter using the keys to blind. And as we see in this prodigal son story, that um, doesn't mean physical death immediately, but essentially being on the wrong side of choice not with Jesus, is dealt with as dead. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. He wasn't talking about physically dead people. And when the son came back, the prodigal son, the father said to the older brother, rejoice, be glad. Your brother was dead. And he's alive again. So that's the context in which I usually would interpret um, death in the New Testament. Okay, and on the bindings. So if we see that the Testaments, the Bible is the rule, then we should be able to say, well, the way the world works then should be um, should be aligned with what the Bible is saying is going to be happening. And to be fair, I've basically always found this to be the case. For instance. Money and property, they're illusions. We don't actually own anything and there is no money. We can expect expect this because it said so in Revelation. Um, so he's talking to one of the seven churches. So we come, because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'll spare you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And know you not that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. That's basically saying if you think you're rich and you have a lot of stuff and you're, you own a lot and you're doing well in this world, um, think again. You're confused. And that's exactly what it is. We have no money. Um, uh, briefly on the money, we know that... Um, the dollar is a silver coin that was established by the proclamation of Queen Anne in 1704, the then Spanish piece of eight equivalent. And today, 300 years later, it hasn't changed. Queen Elizabeth has the mourning ceremony, the mandatum, which goes back to the one new commandment, where she gives recipients once a year to birthday two bags. One has the real money, which is specially minted silver coins, and the other is um, what we currently know is currency, which is not really money. So it's basically Elizabeth giving us notice every year that we don't have money. Um, I won't get into the legal tender rules, but in New Zealand, if you look at a document anyway, these things are laid out very, very clearly for us. So this is not just a opinion that I'm giving you, it's actually written clearly and explicitly in very, very simple language in our, in our rules. A tender of payment of money made in coin, where the coins are more than $10, can, is a legal tender for any amount. 
Now, the fact is we don't have $10 coins and all the other legal tender rules don't provide for a payment of money or any amount. So there you go. It's that simple. We can't pay more than a very small sum. It's just not possible. Okay, you can read that section yourself. I'll leave people to that one because I don't want to talk about money too much. Um, what I will talk about is what we have instead. So what we have instead, there not being $1 in circulation, is a completely debt-based system. Um, whenever some money ends up, so-called money, ends up in a bank account, someone's got to go and basically borrow it into existence, which means it's debt. There's unforgiven debt going on. And when men are indebted, what we're basically doing is trading the souls of men. So that's what our money system is. And we shouldn't be surprised. Once again, Revelation tells us um, that the merchants of the earth do trade in the souls of men. So if that's what's going to be the reality, then we can look at our system and confirm that, yes, indeed, our system is set up to trade in the souls of men. Not only that, but when we participate in it, it makes us the merchants trading the souls of men, which is, um, you know, not something that we ideally want to be doing, I suppose. I'll talk a little bit about the reasons why. Uh, it's basically an old tool to impoverish nations. And in Deuteronomy, we see, unto a stranger you may lay lend upon usury, but not to your brother. That the Lord thy God may bless thee in all this set your hand to, and the land where thou goest to possess it. So basically, this is an old plan that God gave the Jews to um, take over bloodless wars, basically, take over countries. And it should be for a good purpose, as we see in Proverbs, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Hey. Property. Now, we talk a little bit about property and civic duty. Um, in New Zealand, it's pretty clear that it's that we're under military administration. It's basically written up there straight in our law dictionary. Um, I think this is the case for most of the world, in fact, all of the world. But even if not, under the notion of uh, eminent domain, even if it's not military, eminent domain still allows the state to seize property for the commonwealth or for the uh, public welfare, if you like. So you can cut it either way, it doesn't matter. We see there's a way of uh, getting the property away from us and split. Anyway, here in New Zealand, we see our Chief Justice, Dame Shan Elias, He's also the administrator of our government. She says, Stephen Sedley once said about the British Constitution, if we ask what the governing principles and arrangements are, how the legitimacy is derived, we find ourselves listening to the sound of silence. That's equally true of the New Zealand Constitution today. And Sir Owen Dixon has queried whether it's accurate to describe any of the dominions as gaining legislatures 
legislatures which are sovereign by virtue of independence from the imperial parliament. But as I've already found, that is an argument that generates more heat and is helpful. I do not enlarge on it here. So that's our Chief Justice. Um, and we see in the Law Dictionary here that it was law. The martial law is a system in which a military commander is in full force, full control, in times of war, emergencies, or unconstitutional seizure of governmental authority. Martial law is not law in the ordinary sense. So that's the way we go forward. And there's a few other pretty strong witnesses to that established this for us. Um, we see the definition of a non-combatant as a person connected with a navy or army but for purposes other than fighting. A non-combatant includes a civil contractor and a civilian population. Basically, our law dictionary is telling us that if we're a civilian, we're a person connected with a navy or army, i.e. the occupying force. Furthermore, if we are such people, then we come under what's called summary jurisdiction. And we've had summary jurisdiction, and we still do have it here in New Zealand. That's uh, most of what the law is managed under today. And our Petition of Rights Act 1627, which is New Zealand law at the moment, um, this is very old, so it's old English here. Appointed commissioners with power and authority to proceed within the land according to the justice of martial law against such soldiers, mariners, or other dissolute persons. Da da da, and by such summary course and order as is agreeable to martial law. So here's your summary justice. And which is used in times of war. Which commissions and others of like nature are wholly and directly contrary to the said laws and statutes of the civil realm. So they're basically saying you're a civilian, you're in civil law, subject to summary jurisdiction, and there's clear evidence of effectively military administration slash martial law. That's fine, because Jesus said, um, I have not come to bring peace but a sword, right? Right, I'll skip over the uh, property aspects. Basically what's happened with property and land ownership is that the title has been, titled everything has been seized by the Crown. I think under military construct, it's uh, pretty well evidenced in the document there. And that is now then split into two, legal and beneficial. And we have the opportunity to take the beneficial title and the bottom line is as far as I can see it, is that this opportunity to take a beneficial title or make a beneficial claim in the personal state is effectively the same as the second testing of Jesus when he was taken to the high mountain by the devil and said, look, these kingdoms are under my control. So it's like Babylon, right? But I'll let you control them if you just bow down and worship me. That's essentially what we're doing when we take a beneficial interest. We are serving the wrong Lord. Okay. Moving on to taxes just briefly. 
Um, I'm not anti-tax, in fact, definitely not. I have fought the tax system, um, really. I'm not giving advice here, just, but my goodness, if there's one piece of advice, don't fight the tax system. As long as we're on the wrong side of the choice, that's going to be um, going badly for you. And the tax system is there, so just do your best. However, once we get this right, we are removed from liability, we're removed from charity ship and the whole notion of taxes just go away. Um, because now the Crown has to be an official title and the Crown can't tax itself. So the thing just disappears in a puff of smoke. Um, yeah, okay, I'm not gonna get into detail about it, Angela. This is basically the surety ship kicks in. Okay. Um, so, actually, I won't go into detail, I will come to the end of it then. So, the Bible warns strongly against bondage and surety ship or being bombed. We know that uh, Jesus reminds us that the bondswoman and her son were cast out and will not share in the inheritance. And in the Old Testament, we see he that hates the surety ship is sure. A man void of understanding strikes hands and becomes surety in the presence of his friends. Ecclesiastic paints a blacker picture. Surety ship has undone many of good estates and shaken them as a wave of the sea. Mighty men have been driven from their homes so that they had to wander in strange lands. And we've seen in New Testaments and Hebrews that Jesus is supposed to be the surety of a better testament. So if we're surety for the national debt as taxpayers, then something's obviously gone wrong, right? Jesus is not surety, but now we are. Now, so the Bible's got some pretty strong words about this, and funnily enough, um, OVA's Law Dictionary and Black's Law Dictionary back this up and use even stronger words. Um, basically, as sureties for debts, it means we're damned to hell. So we look in OVA's 1856, and we have the definition for damnification. Debt which causes loss or damage to society. So this is bad news, it's not the you know, loss or damage to a society as opposed to, for instance, the uh, societal model that Peter gave us in Acts 4. For example, when society has entered into an obligation to pay the debt of the principal, i.e. that's us, right? So we, as taxpayers, are obliged to pay the debt of the state to the international creditors. And the principal has become bound in a bond to the for the surety, the surety that's us, the taxpayer. The latter has suffered a damnification the moment he becomes liable to be sued for the debt of the principal. That's strong words. And in Black's, uh, this is the online one, I think it's I can't remember which edition, sorry. The name formally given to a place under the Exchequer Chamber, Exchequer Chamber, where the king's debtors were confined. So yeah, there we go. Damnification in hell. The executive chamber is an old word for today would be the treasury, by the way. And the treasury is the one that manages the international um, creditors and tax and payments and so forth. So, bad news. When we're on the right side, this will go away automatically and we don't have to uh, fight the thing. 
So what have you done to, uh, I mean, are you living this life that you talk about? Yes, and so in 2010, I handed a state over. I've abandoned a name. I got rid of all my identification in, I think, 2012. So no bank accounts, no identification. Um, it wasn't fun, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. It's um, it's very hard work. But it's, what I've concluded now, Angela, is that this is not... It's, I see this as throwing my cock, toys out of the cock, basically, and sitting in the corner and sulking. Um, it's not a functional system whereby the worldly powers and I can function constructively together, mutually beneficial for the greater good. And that's what we're currently looking at. So I don't believe having done those things, despite my best intentions, perhaps, um, has actually gotten rid of the suretyship. It certainly stops them hassling me. I mean, as of 2012, um, I had virtually no communication. Everything just dried up, and every time I tried to talk to, say, the Treasury, um, I just run into a wall of silence. Really? Oh, absolutely, yeah, they don't want to know. But there's definitely some forces there that... Um, I see this very much as what we see in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. You know, early on we see Cutler Beckett takes over the authority of the Governor of the King. And he's not a nice character and he's uh, certainly not honourable. He doesn't maintain his agreements. Um, and him and Davy Jones are both pretty keen to make sure that Will doesn't put his heart in the chest. And so there's forces working against us here. And it's you know, basically what we're looking to establish or fight against steps to fight. So what's the heart that's in the chest? We saw uh, Ragoletti early on said gold, jewels, unclaimed property of a valuable nature, and very illegal terms. Yeah. So basically is the unclaimed property of a valuable nature. And that is, as far as I can tell, the property in the estate, which is sitting under interim administration with the Crown. It's unclaimed because we've never um, probated at the state. We haven't got letters of administration, so we've got no right to administer it. Um, but we've gone ahead and done so anyway, and that's what gives David Jones slash Beckett power over us. So what we see at the end, and this is really what we're trying to achieve in the allegory, you know, the allegory for the pirates, just continuing that one. Okay. At, the, at the end there, then, so Will has finally gets his heart stabs the heart and his heart ends up in the chest and that undoes the power of the interim administrator which is Becker so the battle was looking pretty bad, this is the final battle in the third movie, end of the third movie and the pirates are horribly outnumbered and even at the end there we see the Dutchman on one side and the Pearl on the other side coming up one side each of the Endeavour, which is Beckett's ship. Still hugely overpowered by the Endeavour because it's got this four decks of guns. Um, but we see that the officers are asking for orders. Orders, sir, orders. But Beckett doesn't open his mouth because he can't, because he's lost the hold, because he's lost the access to David James's heart because now it's been replaced. Um, by Will's Act. 
So that's essentially what we're trying to achieve, and I believe it's done through uh, a property order, making sure that we come as children and giving the administration of the state to the Crown, i.e. the other side of the Crown, the other face of the Crown that I was talking to before, rather than the commercial uh, debt bondage aspect, which I would see is similar to uh, Cutler Beckett, which is yeah, not a nice... Not a nice crowd. So what is the other side? Um, we see that as well in the end of that movie. Uh, well, of course, our hero is the only one in the movies that gets a solution here. He's in love with Elizabeth, and he gives it to her for safekeeping. Elizabeth, coincidentally. And he hands it over to her and says, it has always belonged to you. So that's what I believe will be achieved when a property manager is appointed and we are no longer liable for the estate because we have distanced ourselves from property title. So does that answer your question or did I ramble again? No, no. I, you know, it's, I, I just wonder, you know, does anybody hassle you at all? But I guess not, right? Because no. here in California... <laughs> yeah. It would I well, you know, I always say being free isn't free and it isn't easy. So I understand, you know, where you're coming from and um mm. but in New Zealand it's a lot different than it is here in the States. Uh I don't know. Things do seem to be a bit aggressive, but I still believe that, you know, potentially every state has a um has a facility for some form of management of property of those that are competent to do so. It's, this is global. The other thing is, you know, we see that things aren't that easy being free, as you say, but Jesus said, learn from me. I am meek of heart. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I would say that if things aren't easy, it's because we haven't figured out how to get this right. Would that be a fair comment? Mm, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I have a disabled son that I take care mm. of, and yeah. uh, I, I, well, I guess in a way it's, well, I don't know. There are things I just can't do, uh, you know, in order to maintain my son's level of care and things that I have to do. So, uh do you have any children? Yeah, I've got a son at home. He's just turned 18. Oh, mm, Unfortunately, well, unfortunately, <laughs> I couldn't stop him uh, signing up for all the things. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, mm. he'll learn. Yeah, maybe, we'll see. Everyone's well, you know, there's peer pressure and stuff at school, and kids want, think they know better than everybody else, you know. Mm. It's not only that, but it's like I said, uh, Cut Rebecca really pushes hard, you know. I mean, before they turned 18, the government sends sort of state, and the wrong side of the state, sends um, a team of people around the schools to get them signed up for the voter registration, which is one of the massive bindings, of course. Yeah. And, uh, now he's going to college, and, you know, he's going to pay for that. Well, you can't do it without an IRD number. <laughs> Uh, so he, he goes and signs up and gotcha. 
Yeah. But having said that, so I see I see what you mean. I mean, it is difficult, and I guess you're asking, can this work when you've got a full life? You can't see your way clear. Uh. I've I've honestly thought this through, and I can see that with a property order, it can work because they don't necessarily manage everything day to day. And what you're capable of managing, you'll be allowed to manage. Like I say, the only thing that changes is where the liability sits and it goes away from you. So you are free to render unto God what is God's and serve in the kingdom, I suppose, mm. whichever way you do, which you're obviously already you know, doing your best to do. Yeah, you know, it it requires a lot of faith. Unfortunately, I have no trust in my government here at all to do the right thing. So, mm. <laughs> oh, no. you know, I, I, can, I, I like I would like to have faith that they would, but past performance has shown they don't. So, well, like I say, this is this is where I, this is where I really like the parts of the Caribbean movies, um, and this is where the story of Cut Rebecca in particular is so telling for me. Um, when we're dealing with that aspect of the state, we know the guy's a bastard. He's a war criminal. Uh, he doesn't keep his agreements. He breaks his covenants, and he's completely commercial um, orientated. And yes. That is the aspect of the governments that you're seeing over there. And that's the aspect we see over here as well. Don't worry about that. Uh, it's not that different over here, Angela. But I don't know. I, I just, in the past, I've, been, I've had my share of anger and despair. It's a bit of a roller coaster sometimes. You go up and down a bit when things aren't working how you think they should. But I've pretty much settled. Um, I'll push this path. This is everything I'm seeing tells me that this can be right and I'm going to push it. And there might be a bit of a uh, disagreement or argument to be had yet with the likes of Cutler Beckett, but that's okay. I'm good to go. I mean, I can't go to war with the system because I'll go, I'm going to have to go, take out all the guns, right? It's no point. Uh, and I don't want to. I think it's a bad idea. Um, but I do believe that there is a peaceful path which gets us on the right side. And, well, why not? Why not have faith in that? Because otherwise, you know, the outlook is pretty bleak, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. So, yeah. I, hope I'm, I hope I'm not giving people false hope. And I do agree. Yeah, I fully acknowledge that most people that hear what I have to say think that I am naive and I can understand why. And just so that people can believe, I don't really care what people think of me, to be honest. Uh, the document, like I say, has got some of my opinion, but most of it is just pieces of information, facts that have been pulled together over years. You can check them out and you know, join the dots however you want yourself. But, but what do you do, though? I mean, if you... Do you do you drive a car? Yeah. So do you ever get pulled over? In four years, I didn't have a license. No, I didn't. Well, I got pulled over, but didn't get asked for a license. It's uh, somehow... They didn't ask you for a license. Isn't that the first thing, though, they normally would ask for? Mm-hmm. Usually. Anyway. And so they know you? Is that it? Or do you no, live in a no, small but... town? Or 
Uh, I travel quite a lot around New Zealand. Okay. Yeah. So what do they anyway, know? They know you by your face or what? No, it's another guy in a car, I suppose. I don't know. It just didn't come up. It's almost like um, when you're in a certain position, it's things happen as they're supposed to. Hmm. It's not with... I mean, we can see these things, you know. I used to think that you didn't need a licence and you probably don't. But, you know, look at my son. He's now 18. And he's learned a driver. It's all very well not having a licence and travelling in a motor car, you know, privately, non-commercially. Maybe when you've been doing it for 30-odd, 40 years. Yeah. Well, I, got, I'm, I'm all for learning how to do it and passing yeah. and getting, you know, a, a good grade on your driver's test. Yeah, well, you're not a 17 or 18-year-old running around two tons of steel with 100 k's, do you? <laughs> Scary thought. <laughs> no, but you know, once they've learned how to drive, you've got to have a little faith in them, trust, whatever, right? Yeah, sure. They go off to college, whatever, and make a life for themselves, and uh, you got to trust a little bit. Yeah, sure. Uh, so anyway, so what I'm doing at the moment, to come back to your question, is um, I'm pushing very hard. on the, So it, right at the moment, I'm, I've been pushed back from the family court on the property order, okay? What do you mean so pushed back? Pushed back, they basically said, look, we can see that there's different, um, there's two different definitions of incapacity and competence, and only one of them is related to personal incompetence or you know, mental incapacity. But we've decided, no matter what the rules say, that if you don't have a medical um, document saying that you're medically incompetent, incapable or incapacitated, then we're not going to accept any um, applications from you. So this is what I'm currently in the middle of um, pushing a appeal through on. And this is what I believe, what I said before, this is the discussion with Beckett or the Crown, basically. Mm-hmm. This is the battle yet to be had. So yes. this is over property? This is for a property order, yep. Okay. And uh, with that entire purpose being that once a, some other property manager is appointed, then I am rid of suretyship and liability for the estate is gone. And, you know, and I do believe that the surname is what binds us there. Uh, you know, we've got in the document there linked to baby Prince George's birth certificate, and he doesn't have the surname. Neither does Prince William or Kate. Right, I know that. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a very clear purpose there to the name, and it's uh, I see that as basically St Peter's Keys in action. Bind or loose, depending on which side of that uh, choice you're on in relation to name and state. I think originally only there the monarchy or or whoever's ruling, uh, only their children and their children's children got birth certificates in order to show their uh, heritage, right, or their lineage. No, their heritage. What's what what they're in line to inherit, right? Yeah. That's right, yeah. So that changed in about the 1830s, I think. Um, that was the old baptismal certificate. So it wasn't just royalty, but basically families of standing. Mm. And the interesting thing was that was only, you know, 
bastards could not inherit anything. So if you were a bastard, um, you were out. Basically, you weren't going to get a baptismal certificate. Mm-hmm. But that's changed now. Because, you know, Jesus said in the uh, parable of the wedding feast, now go out. These people don't want to come. Go out and invite everybody. And by everybody, he means everybody. And we see that in our um, Status of Children Act in New Zealand. Um, the status of parents being married or not makes no difference. All children are the same. And um, so basically, you know, we see a shift from baptismal certificates to the Crown taking this over, removing that incapacity for bastards, effectively making us all bastards. (laughs) Funny, really. Uh, But it's no problem. I don't see it as a problem anyway. uh, Yeah, I I see this. So back in the creed, the gospel creed that we see in the coronation ceremony, it says there that she believes in one baptism for the remission of sins. And it's um, in Luke we see that uh, John, Prophet John, um, he baptized, he did a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And repentance is just a changing of your mind or a turning away, if you look at the definition, or turning to a new thing. And this is basically what I see the um, legal person state as, you know, however it's put together, and I'm not going to get into the detail of what I think it is because it doesn't actually matter, Angela. The fact is we have this legal entity sitting there that does hold property and we appear to be able to have one or two um, positions in relation to it, liable for it or not liable for it. And... uh, so Paul said, don't you understand that when you are baptised, you are baptised unto death with Christ? And I think that's what they're doing when they issue the um, birth certificate. So we certainly do it when we sign up for the beneficial interest when we're 18. And to be born again, so to speak, we need to get ourselves on the other side of that choice and i.e., um, have our status in relation to that birth certificate changed so we're no longer liable. It's liable sureties and bondsmen for it. And that is what I see as the, um, what was talked about at the coronation in 1953. Mm. One baptism for the remission of sins. And, yeah, it's interesting. Something else we see in the um, forest as well. There's quite a lot of uh, reference to the ecumenical mo- movement, which is the One Church. You know, Jack talks about that. Haven't we all arrived in a lovely place, a very nice place, ecumenically speaking? Who did you yeah. say talks about that? Jack Ferrier. Oh, oh, you're yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, sorry, I jumped over there. That's all there. right. That's and one of, one of his crimes when he was sentenced, which were many and numerous, sinister in nature, obviously the first one was piracy, but the other one was impersonating a cleric. And, you know, he turns around... Laughs at the, uh, oh yeah, that's right, I remember sort of a laugh. That was funny, wasn't it? But nobody else is laughing. And uh, yeah, we see that in the coronation, the Gospel Creed, one apostolic church, and one line of um, authority, keys with the crown, and one baptism. And I think that's why the birth certificate in relation to that choice. And all the other ones, um, 
Yeah, I don't don't care for them too much, to be honest. Anyway, that's just my view on this. Ah, you want to take some questions? Yeah, sure. Let me see. Uh, well, we don't have any. Anybody have a question? Press your star eight on your phone or keypad, or if you're on the computer, star eight, and that'll put your hand up. And um, don't have any at the moment. That's right. No. Oh, we just go? got one. Want to get want to want a question? <laughs> yes. I'll okay. Okay. Well, let's do one question and then yeah, sure. we'll continue on. Brian, go ahead. You or Brian? Yeah, Brian, you've been unmuted. Go ahead. Did you have a question for our guest speaker? Oh, just a comment. Hey, this is Brian. I was uh, introduced by your guest speaker this last week. Uh, his information and some things he's yeah. put up, and he's really just. Uh, I'm covering some fascinating things with uh, scriptures that have kind of been hidden from everybody, and I uh, kind of applaud him on the research he's doing. Thank you very much. And I good, to, it's good to hear. I want to thank you, Angela, for all the work you do and the people that you bring forward as well. Uh, you deserve you. a uh, round of applause as well for all the efforts you put in. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I love. I think learning is like the best thing we could do. And so onward and upward, right? Got to keep going. Can't stop and go backwards. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. Anybody else have a question? Press star eight. Uh, Go ahead, Didrik. I didn't mean to cut you off, but... uh, No, not at all. That was good. I was just going to fill in with a bit of uh, pirate stuff because I'm actually thinking of doing a movie or YouTube section added to my channel on uh, the pirates breakdown because it's the most... one of the more fascinating... Trilogies around, I think. Sure. Uh, you know, there's a lot of legal words like Jack's always talking about his, his effects and his hat, and he's not going anywhere without his effects. And what effects is, if you look in Bovier's, is basically all the property in an estate. So back to estate law, and this is all about property. Um, but he doesn't want to let his property go, so even at the end of the fourth movie, he's still a pirate. The other thing we see in the pirates' movies is, uh, you know, other than the fact that Will is basically the only one that gets the remedy, so just a thread to watch. Is that there's some very strong warnings? Um, the opening of the second movie, we see Elizabeth, the bride, um, at a wedding ceremony with no guests. It's absolutely raining, pissing down, and the groom is not there. So that's what I see as a warning from the system, from the other side, basically, that, look, guys, this is the wedding feast that Jesus was talking about, and the way it's going at the moment, you bunch of pirates, you're holding on to your own property, like the prodigal sons, is that this uh, bride of Christ, so to speak, is looking pretty bad. Similarly, in the third movie, it opens up, um, it gets darker. I don't know if you've watched these movies, but... No, you know, I haven't. I really haven't watched any of them. I've seen clips, but I've never seen any of them. Now you've intrigued me. I'm going to have to go back and watch these movies. (laughs) Oh, absolutely fascinating. So anyway, there we see, look, they've gone to martial law. So anyone that's um, thought to be a pirate is going to be hung by neck until dead. And you see not just one or two pirates, piratey types, but you see the entire town emptying out men, women, children all in chains, 
take materials to be hung. Uh, yeah, take heed. It's a warning. If we um, live our lives with any aspect of selfishness, which is contrary to what I would interpret as um, what we should probably properly be doing in relation to Jesus' teachings, uh, for holding on to the beneficial title, uh, be warned. So these movies are warning, and they're also linking us very strongly to the estate law. Several times, um, you know, we see Jack peddling around in a coffin. When he gets the key, he falls into a hole, which happens to be an open grave, and he, you know, sticks his head up. And, you know, he's not quite dead yet, but he's in the grave. It's like a little revelation to him. Oh, right. And he carries on. And these things come up regularly. Anyway, we could probably leave it for another day. Um, because, like I say, I want to think that one through a little bit more um, and just have to exclude some of the lines. Probably one of the reasons, just on the last point on those movies, is that especially in New Zealand, but this will be true for most of the Commonwealth, is that those movies actually give us a very strong link to our history. It starts off with the Union Jack, Governor of the Kings in control. Then Cutter Beckett comes in, this flag changes to this blue uh, maritime war flag, which is what the current New Zealand flag is. We see the Governor of the King is um, locked up, his power is taken away. That happened in 1977 with the Seal of New Zealand Act um, proclamation. And then six years later in New Zealand, we see that the Governor authority has moved from the Queen to the state by declaration, a proclamation rather. And that's what we see when um, the Governor of Port Royal takes Beckett's deal and starts working for him. So those points of history moving through, are, they tie very closely to our system, which is why one of the reasons I love those movies so much. And because of the context. In fact, I'd have to say a lot of the clues have, you know, over the years have been really stuck with trying to figure an aspect of this puzzle out. And, you know, there's a few movies I like that have some good clues. Labyrinth is another one with David Bowie, that old one. Uh, but the pirates are on top. The detail and the content in there and the uh, accuracy and precision with which it is delivered is just incredible. So, anyway, I'll leave that for another time. And what else do we have? I'm seven o'clock up to the bottom of the document yet. We have another question. Righto, carry on. Yeah, just drop it with questions anytime. I'm ready for questions. Okay, Katie, you've been unmuted. Hi, this is uh, hi. Uh, this is Katie, and hi. Um, hi. I have read the whole Bound in the Wrong Side of the Gospel, and uh, so has my son, who's incarcerated in it. It's taken us to a whole not another level, and um, of understanding. Anyway, it's just awesome, <laughs> and I just wanted to know. Is there any way I could email you um, or talk with you because there's some things I want to know about someone that's incarcerated? And um, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. If, if you look at the uh, YouTube channel in the um, description of the videos and bits and pieces, I've got an email um, there. It's prodigalsgospel at gmail.com. 
I can I can email you then. Yep. Oh, and sure. that, and that's on that's on where on the YouTube. Yeah, on the YouTube's. Uh, they're on the. Uh, I, there's a link to the YouTube channel on our website. If you go to myprivateaudio.com. Oh, myprivateaudio.com. Uh huh. And uh, if you go to the guest speakers page. Mm-hmm. I think I have it. Let me go. Let me go check. Because <laughs> okay. I have it on the talk show page. If you click where it says, you know, tonight's call. Yeah. It will. There's a link there on that page. But, I'll find uh, it. Yeah. Okay. It will be yeah. permanently on the guest speakers page. You know. No, I, sh- I should say too. I should say too, Katie, that uh, even um, I'm happy to have a discussion with anybody, obviously, about anything. Um, there. There are limits, you know. I don't, I don't give legal advice, basically. So that's just a little disclaimer. But by all means, give yeah. me an email. We can have a talk about stuff. Well, when we when we do the, you know, the uh, property order and things like that here in the U.S., it's something we have to put together our own documents. Or are there is anything put together in here in the U.S.? Do you know the act here? Is there anything that we can go by? No, I don't. I mean, this is um, what I've basically put out there is in terms of the New Zealand stuff. Um, and in New Zealand things, legal stuff does stop when the property order goes into place. So you're out from under the law, so to speak, right? Um, but for other countries, I've made no effort at all to um, align that to how other countries deal with their incapacitated or those of partial incompetence. Okay, um, but I do know that every country in the world does provide, or every civilized country, so to speak, does provide that somewhere. Um, yeah, I, I've been searching uh, since Sunday, <laughs> looking uh, for okay. information. Um, anyway, I'll. Um, What's I'll, your son incarcerated for, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, it was vehicular homicide. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so sorry yeah. that you're going through this. Yeah. Well, it's it, it's there's a once we do this, it looks like that could shut that all down. Faith plays a big part. Yeah, yep. I know, and we have that. But I mean, here I here in this article, it says um, on page 33. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, it says once it it will shut down all court cases. Yeah, that's that's true, but there's a qualifier there, Katie. Um, It's just about automatically, and they don't proceed except with the leave of the court. Mm -hmm. So for um, the court can give leave to proceed, and in the Bible we see that um, we are warned not to use our freedom for selfish ends um, no. we need to do to serve along those lines um, and if we step out of line and you know the old Ten Commandments style of rules or misbehave then um, I wasn't suggesting that the court wouldn't give leave to let proceedings you know go forward on that basis um, yeah so it's well, not it gives you an opportunity to be free of the law Subject to good behaviour, if you like, it looks to me. You know, or to acting as, as you know, someone who's chosen to follow 
teaching of Jesus, I suppose, is best to say. Let me um, add here, if you want to find Diedrich's uh, YouTube channel, just do a search for Prodigal's Gospel. That'll bring it right up. Okay. I've, Prodigal's I got, Gospel. Yeah. I got it. Yep. Okay, I got good. it. Okay. okay. Well, thank you, and I'll get a hold of you, and we'll talk more a little bit more, okay? Sure. Okay. okay. Thank See you. Thank you. Bye. Blessings. Thank you. All righty, boy. Yeah, I'll pray for you and your son. That's terrible. I mean, that's a a mother's burden is never <laughs> light. I tell you, when we have sons and daughters that do things, that, uh, we love them so much. You know, we just want them to find their way. I guess. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it for now. Go ahead, Cedric. Uh, do you have anything else to say? We've yeah. got someone with their hand up, Donaldson. Yeah. But I refuse to let him on because he disrupts the call and he goes on and on and on and on and on. But if you uh, want to... It's your call. Shall I, shall I unmute him and, and we'll see if he's going to behave himself? <laughs> you can try it. I'll uh, leave you to manage it. All right. All right, you've been unmuted, Donaldson. And I, you people that email me every time I let him talk... Don't email me. Okay. Hello, everybody. Go ahead, Donald. I wish everybody well this season, and I hope you're having Thank a great you. holiday. And I'm sorry for all the loss out there right now. Um, specifically those that are on the call, but also for them, you know, the Oakland thing that happened. And all across the planet, really, there's a lot of stuff going on. Here's the thing. Here's my question. A lot of fires. Yeah. It's really weird, too, the fires. That's fires have something to do with rebuilding, you know, when it comes they to the Illuminati to agenda. Oh man, yeah. you're right. Okay. Let me give you the question. Sure. It's basically, sir, I've heard you talking for a while. Just, it is hard to hear you just so you know a little bit, uh, because of your thick accent, mate. <laughs> but, uh, the question is, do you have any evidence to prove that miners cannot hold contra- hold property? What what are you going to give me to convince me about of that because I have it on pretty good knowledge here in the states that the you know Supreme Court has already ruled that miners can take and hold property, okay? Um I'm not I'm not a miner. Um I don't see what's relevant. We mean a property order moves a property management to a property manager for someone who's not a minor. Uh, minors are dealt with separately under the Care of Children Act. That's a, that's a separate piece of legislation. So uh, whether minors can own property or not is not relevant, I, I would say. So you said the Care of Children Act. Yeah. Well, I mean, you said earlier on the call, I thought I heard you say that minors cannot own property and they're treating us like minors in the system. That was my interpretation mm. of what you said. Was It sounded like you were um, saying that... No, we're, no I, we're, I, yeah. I must have... Uh, Maybe I'm you know, leaning if into... I, if yeah. I, said that, I don't think I said that. Um, otherwise, okay. that's not the case, no. Minors are under 18. They're dealt with separately. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's not what really about relevant the comp- here. Well, the competency, the competency. It has to do with the whole like issue of you know, um, being able to own property and being legally competent... And 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 I think that when you're a minor, your your contracts are voidable, so you're not legally 
you know, the, you're, basically there's some stipulations to your contracts. Uh, that's exactly right. That's why we're um, that's why what we're looking here for with a property order takes that administration away from us, so we don't have the title under our direct management anymore. It's now with a property manager. And so we, this is where I see that we're coming as children, which is what Jesus said, if you do not exactly come as children, then you will not enter the kingdom. It's quite clear. It's, it's not... Um, you know, he didn't really... It was pretty plain about this. It's not negotiable. Mm-hmm. Come as a child or don't enter the, enter the kingdom. That's it. Well, it's funny you uh, mentioned come as a child. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry. Yeah, the only way I know how to come as a child... And, you know, over these years of work and research into this is um, to get via a property order. Um, I may yeah. be proven wrong, ultimately, sure. No, and thank, you. Other way. thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Appreciate the yep. time and the question. Yeah, no worries. Yep, thank you. Okay. How are we going? Sorry, I keep hitting my button and I keep muting myself out. Um, so in other words if you had a property in New Zealand you had that title what you're talking about now is like assigning it to a property manager or basically all the property in in the legal name everything that's attached to it would go to the property manager and the property manager is then um, responsible for managing this and also allowing us to manage it as best as we can to, to whatever our ability is. But then we're managing whatever we're allowed to do, we do as servants, not as liable um, sureties as such. So, yeah, the house would presumably still stay in place, but it's simply that we don't manage it anymore. Uh, and the second aspect is that the Act also says, look, this stuff can get settled on trust, maybe a charitable trust or maybe a transfer or whatever, um, for or whatever terms the court thinks fit. So that's the secondary aspect. As to what I found in the past when I tried to assign um, property in the would have been official interest of the Crown, is that I consistently get told we're not accepting property from you. Oh. Saying we're not, we can't accept property, and I can't restate it because I'm looking at acts that say they can. <laughs> um, they're not denying us, but they're saying not from you. And what I'm seeing here is that through this process, um, the court can make the order. Now, ah. if the court makes an order for a transfer of property into some sort of charitable trust or onto the Crown or whatever, Firstly, I don't have, to, you know, that's that's going to happen come hell or high water, right? Um, the treasurer's not going to turn around and get, say get stuff to the uh, court system. So that's the difference. And it also means we don't have to be super clever and you know, learn all this stuff in the years from research because we merely need to say, look, I don't want to hang on to... Um, my creator's property, which is properly in the trust um, of the Crown for the greater good. You guys have it, you manage it, and I'm happy to serve in whatever capacity um, transpires for the greater good. It seems like a good solution. Mm. It's 
with floating floor. Okay, Donaldson, one more, and that's it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for taking my call. Um, I have a the question is about reversionary interest. In the United States of America, I guess they have a you notice how I said United <laughs> United States. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> the whole thing is they have this thing called reversionary interest, and what it is is the prop the property of you know the managed per individual or minor or and you know, human, person, whatever, estate, right, uh, all goes yep. back to the government, just reverts back over to the government uh, for ownership. And can you talk about that? Do they have anything like that? And do you have a process for maybe like doing a uh, preliminary reversionary interest claim to where you can assign all debt over to the government before you die? Can we do that here in the States? Is that something that's that you've heard of? Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure of the of reversionary interest. Um, and we've, we've looked at getting stuff moved in the past. Like I said, it's been uh, a little bit fruitless, even though it's in principle should be possible. But the other um, problem with that is if you transfer that, it still leaves you not coming as a child because you're still supposedly managing it because you're not doing it in the now, but later. Perhaps I might have it wrong. Um, you know, I really need to be careful um, making comments about how things work in America because I really don't know. Uh, but what this property order process does is, is it two, provides for an ongoing two-way relationship for the worldly. Render to Caesar, come as children, let the crown slash Babylon. Is that an affidavit? Trust, trust, trustees. No, there's no affidavit. This is one of the other advantages. Um, the Bible is it a, dec- is is swear, it a declaration? Swear. I'm sorry. Is it a declaration, yes, buddy? It's, one, it's not even a sworn declaration. It's just simply an application. And this is in my uh, video, actually, the Gospel Keys to the Kingdom. Uh, you only have to basically tick the box. I don't believe I'm fully competent. Sign it. That's it. You don't have to swear anything. It doesn't have to be witnessed. It's that simple. And it's you coming as a child rather than with an affidavit, which means you're basically saying, I'm fully competent, legally competent. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I can assure you I am not legally competent. Um, and this process makes it easy. A lot of those things just get, get done for you by the proper trustee, you know, the the responsibility was given to Babylon. They're the ones that should be dealing with the property, and if we find ourselves being responsible for managing it, having freely taken this uh, responsibility on when we were young, then as far as I'm concerned, we've uh, failed the equivalent of the second testing of Jesus uh, at the top of the mountain. When he said, look, people said, look, help yourself, I'll let you manage this, give you control give you the stuff that was put into my trust to manage and just worship me. Jesus did not make that mistake, but we all have, of course. I don't know anyone that uh, didn't sign up for this when they were, you know, legal age, 18 or whatever. So, no, there's a lot of options we looked at to answer your question, but more that are similar to your reversionary interest question. Um, I haven't certainly not made any of them come to fruition, and I've pretty much lost interest in that approach. It's complicated. 
and requires us to be competent. Um, I look at someone like one of my sisters, you know, four young children, can hardly see her way clear at the end of the day. Um, what she has, she's going to spend you know, years doing legal research into this complicated stuff. She can't. I've had interesting conversations with my father. He just died recently at 80 years. Um, he could see it. He was interested, but at that age, um, not quite as mentally anymore and fully dependent on the state already. So yeah. what's available that allows all of us... Well, what would you know if your father was alive today? What would you advise him to do? I'd say basically there's a, going to be a property order equivalent that can be taken over that will um, allow you to state your wishes in relation to your property of it going now into management by the state and in some form of trust. I don't think they have trust law as such in Europe, in Holland anyway, um, in favour of the greater good as commanded by Jesus and as demonstrated by Paul in Acts 4. But you like you said uh, he's, he's, he was totally dependent on the state at that point? Yeah, sure. He's 80 years old. He's not um, okay. Okay. going to work for um, everything's benefits right. So benefits how do you? So when you when you relinquish everything over to the state or whatever, uh, do you maintain your what your your well? I mean, he was. I'm I'm assuming was getting like social security or medical yeah. and all like that. It all, oh. it all carries on. It's just oh, it carries on. Okay, so it's not you're not giving anything up. You're just releasing responsibility or yeah, ownership. You know, you're releasing title. So yes, you're releasing ownership. The beneficial ownership. Remember, it's not. Mm-hmm. This is not good ownership. Yeah. Not good title. It's only um, basically obligatory title. I'd like to call it. And it's one of the de- one of the bindings. And when we take beneficial title, we have to serve the legal title holder. Mm-hmm. We owe them our fealty, and that's that's the wrong choice. Mm. So yeah, this is what I'm. This is essentially what I'm pushing along. This is to pass on. Um, I really appreciate it. Very your interesting. Here. It's a it's a big test of faith for sure. You know, because well, especially here, I don't know. People are so dependent on. Well, I guess they're dependent on the government for everything. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people. I mean, we have a lot of people here in California, especially, that are very, very dependent on the government for their, you know, housing and food and medical and schooling and everything. And, um, I mean, they practically dangle a carrot in front of them to come over the border people that are undocumented and uh, you know come on over we'll give you everything and of course people are going to jump at that especially when they haven't had uh, you know access to what a great life you can have here but where they're coming from you know so but how I guess you could still be an undocumented person and come over to like California and relinquish everything to the government like you're saying and still be uh, in the same. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I. I, I, I think I it does. It does tie into the um, birth certificate state, and 
So there needs to be some form of an estate that needs to be created or picked up. That's something that needs to be done at your in your own country, basically. Yeah. Um, order needs to be a transfer. But that doesn't, at the end of the day, I mean, this is, you know, I see this as the X4 story. If we can let our um, property money interests go for the greater good, and we can see that there's still a structure there which can work and is working for many people, like you just said, um, you know, the reasons of not letting these things go, which is you know, fundamentally, you know, for some people, I'm sure it would be greed. But for many people, it's probably more accurate to say fear. Would it be mm, yeah. a fair comment? Yeah. Can't let stuff go because they just don't have faith that things will be all right tomorrow if they let anything go. So it's, uh, you know, what we see in the parts of the Caribbean. The pirate code. I'm of the mind to have nothing as far as possible to do with the government. Nothing. I want nothing. I wish I could be in that position to have nothing to do with them. I wish I could just go, you know, find an island somewhere where there's a lot of nice tribal people and, you know. Yep, not going to happen anymore. <laughs> I'll tell you what, there's every square inch of land that's all been uh, wrapped up in the system. And even on the high seas, I, I do quite a lot of boating and uh, really like my boating. But even on the high seas, it's, uh, you know, if you're not wearing a flag from a recognised nation, you're deemed to be a pirate and you can be taken by the first uh, first uh, ship that finds you, basically. So there's no way to run or hide from this choice. And I believe that's the whole point of this is what I believe to be yeah. the gospel choice that's built for us, mm. and yeah. there is no there is no plan C. You can have you can have <laughs> one of two statuses in relation to your legal estate or TD legal estate, and if you wield it for your own benefit, um, then that's the wrong side of the choice. And if you relinquish that management of the earthly, render it to Caesar, um, that leaves you free and clear to serve and also powers uh, the state to carry on. So I see this as a, what I'm seeing here is a workable system that doesn't have to exclude the Crown. And like I say, the Crown can have a different face. And so I, you know, I do understand why people get so angry with what the Crown's doing, but like I say, I would make that an allegory with Cutler Beckett. You know, he would really was a bastard. But, my belief is that when we're on the right side of the choice, we won't have to deal with Beckett anymore. And we see him destroyed at the end of the third movie. Wow. Well, it's been an interesting call. I hope you'll come back and see us again. I'm not cutting you off now, but I'm just saying before anything else happens. I, You know what happens is my Skype cuts me off. And I don't That's want right. that to happen without me telling you thank you and all like that. <laughs> no, you know, I'd, like, I'd like to thank you too, Angela. And um, just... You know, for those people who are stuck in here for this time and still listening, um, yeah, I enjoy Angela's calls. And, you know, she's uh, any contribution to help Angela out, I'm sure she would appreciate it. So oh, I just thought I'd add that in. And it's on, so her, on her website. <laughs> That's very kind mm-hmm. of you. Thank you. But, no worries. Uh, I, uh, I uh, appreciate you coming on and sharing your information with us. And I was going to ask you, do you know Vic? I mean, um, Adam Beck? 
Uh, I had a chat with him once, yes. Oh, because he's so. on similar lines as you. <coughs> you guys should mm. get together. Yeah, no, we had, we had a chat. Um, so, yeah, very similar, certainly, I think. And, you yeah. know, I don't want to speak for... Uh, he's on Adam's, the call. He's I don't here. want to speak for Adam's opinions at all. Um, yeah. He's got his own opinions. Uh, but we appear to be, certainly in terms of the end objective, the same. Although yeah. I, don't, I don't think you'd want to conclude that... Um, He's very much inclined to agree with the way that I'm approaching this. Well, um, I'm just going to say you guys should talk. <laughs> yeah, no, we have. We have actually talked, so we're not entirely in agreement. Well. But well, largely on, yeah, on some of the big, big issues, I think, so, yeah. Sure. Yeah, he's on. I see you on here, Restore Kingdom of God. <laughs> so he's been listening. Well, yeah. that's cool. Well, I would like to have a call with both of you on at the same time, and you guys can, you know, go back and forth and talk about your opinions, and that would be a good call. Uh, well, maybe for another day. Yeah. So this one's scheduled for two hours. I think we just sped up. Yeah, we're at the one hour and 56 minute mark, so. Yeah. I'm happy <laughs> to leave it there for today, uh, Angela. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, it's a pleasure meeting you. This is our first time talking. I hope it's not our last. And, uh, you know, as you progress in your dealings with the government there, I would hope you'd come back and update us and let us know how it's going. Sure. And no, if there's some interest out here in the listening group, um, I'm happy to share this. Like I say, I yeah, believe those of us who think we have a warning to give, um, should do so. We're obliged to. So. That's right. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm going to watch all your videos. And for those of you that missed it, if you want to watch his videos, um, there's a link on my site, but you could just Google Prodigal's Gospel. Prodigal's Gospel, yeah. Prodigal's Gospel. And, uh, you know, I, when I got your picture, I said to myself, he looks very familiar to me. Have you ever been to California? No. <laughs> You look, you look no. so familiar to me. I, I can't place it. Oh well, I will be an actor. Ah, you know. uh, no, not <laughs> someone important, an actor maybe, <laughs> like old Cipher in the Matrix, right? I yeah. don't know. No. Everybody's important, really. Mm. No, that's good. All right. Well, thanks for the call, and um, really appreciate being invited well, to come and talk. Thank you for joining us and sharing your information. I appreciate it very much. Everybody does, too. Everybody that's here. We had a lot of people on the call. And so it was a good call. And um, you have a great holiday. Uh, do you guys, uh, well, I'm, I mean, you do celebrate Christmas. I'm a little duh. But, uh, In a non-commercial sense. But, uh, yeah, right. Do you have, your New Year there is the same as ours, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's all the same. Okay, so <sighs> Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. I don't like that. Don't eat too much. And uh, many, many blessings to you and yours. Right. Same to you, guys. Thank you. Okay. Have a good one. See you later. All righty. Bye-bye. All right. Good night, everybody. It's been fun. As usual, it was a learning experience. And uh, we'll do it again next Thursday, God willing. <laughs> I said it. There you go. Uh, 
what else did I want to say? I wanted to say something else, and I can't think of it. Um, thank you, everybody, for coming. And um, I guess that's it. Have fun. Uh, have a great weekend. And uh, we'll see you next Thursday. Same time, same place. Adios. Oh, I forgot to say, and take care of each other. I love you. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.